Perko, and this is On, a podcast about cultivating student engagement in higher ed. Instructors are always striving for those magic moments in the classroom when everything is just on. More than ever, we can benefit from sharing the strategies that reach our students and evaluate learning most inclusively and effectively. This podcast features higher ed faculty and course designers using creative approaches to enhance students' learning experiences and turn engagement on. today to be speaking with Paige G, my colleague in the Accounting and Management Information Systems Department at the University of Delaware. Paige is an instructor of accounting and any day now will be defending her dissertation in accounting at the University of Texas at Arlington. So we'll be calling her Dr. G very soon. Paige has a BS in math education and a master's in accounting, both from North Carolina State University. She began her career as a high school math teacher before moving from teaching to corporate training for a subsidiary of Microsoft. After lots of work travel, Paige made the move to work for her local church as their accountant while having no background in accounting, and she fell in love with it. She decided to go back to school for a master's degree and was later recruited by KPMG and worked in their tax department for many years. While in graduate school, Paige began teaching as an adjunct and later continued toward a PhD in accounting, which she's finishing up now, and her research focuses on corporate international taxation. I know Paige to be an innovator who uses technology to get students engaged in on-campus classes, so I just knew she'd be a great person to talk to about engagement in virtual classrooms. Paige, thank you so much for joining today and being so willing to share your engagement strategies with us. Well, thank you, Katie. It's good to be here and to talk with you. To get us started, what are you teaching this semester? How many students do you have? And how do you structure your class? I'm teaching Accounting 207 this um, semester, and that's the very first financial accounting class. I um, have four sections of that class. Um, so it is about 190 students that I have um, in total. Yeah. Um, the way I structure the class is I have lecture videos um, that the students watch on their own. And then I have Um, example videos where I work problems out of the book and the students work those on their own as well. Then we come together at least once a week and we work out problems, homework problems together. Um, And in that class, they get to ask all the questions they want to ask that they come up with while watching the lecture videos and the example video. Okay. Okay. With so many students, it sounds like in each class, I really wanted to focus on Uh, what you're doing to keep engagement in those live sessions high. So can you tell us about what you're doing in those live sessions? Okay, in the live sessions, um, what I decided was to have a flipped classroom. That means doing those lower cognitive things on their own. That's why they do the lecture videos on their own, because that is a lower um, thinking skill. But the higher thinking skills of actually working the examples and working the problems and applying those lessons they learned in the lecture videos we come together and we do those in class. So what happens is I have, um, I have a list of all the students' names and I literally call them by their name as we work out these problems together. Um, I'm not looking that they get it right. Uh, it would be great if they always got it right, but we know that's not the case. But it, when they don't, it opens a great opportunity to discuss and learn some more. And we work through the problem together and I ask other students because I don't like to be the only one talking in the class. So I ask other students, can you help Katie out with this prop with this with this particular part of the problem. So it's a dialogue between all of us. 
That sounds like a lot of uh, interaction from every student um, in the classroom. How are you? How are you calling those students? How frequently? How is every student called in every class? Yeah, at least every student is called at least once in every class. Um, in the beginning, these beginning chapters, it may be once, twice. In the later chapters, it's probably going to be more like two, three times a class that wow. they'll be called on. Yeah, because there's just the problems are just that much, that long. And what do you so, find when you call them? Are they like ready to answer? Are they? How, the majority what is the behavior. Yeah. I would say 98% are ready. They're ready to go with the answers because they, they complete these problems before they come to class. So 98% of them are ready to go and with an answer. Um, and then every once in a while, I want to run into someone that says, you know, I really wasn't sure about this, which to me, I love that. I love questions. So it opens <laughs> up the, it opened up the dialogue for me to explain it again in a different way than I did in a lecture video. It opens up the dialogue for another student to say, well, this is how I thought about it. So it, it just creates an atmosphere of everybody talking um, and learning together. Absolutely, and it supports them a little bit more than a traditional cold call because they know what to expect. They've perhaps gotten through many of the problems and many of the questions they'd be prepared to answer, but that one they get to whether they're not prepared, they can say, I really didn't know what to do exactly. here. Exactly. So one thing that um, I was surprised by hearing this from you the first time was about the logistics. It sounds like <laughs> a lot to keep track of. Um, you know, how do I know if I've called this person? Like, can you talk more about the logistics of your approach to this many voices um, strategy for engagement? Yeah, the logistics can get sticky. Um, <laughs> So <laughs> I really have to um, keep that list of student names in front of me. Um, and I literally go through in a systematic way. Like sometimes I'll do every third, if they're in alphabetical order, but I don't want them to get used to that order. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes I'll do every third student. Sometimes I'll do every fifth student. So they're not sure who I'm going to call one next. Mm -hmm. But it takes a lot of um, focus to be able to continue to check someone off, but listen at the same time and make sure I'm answering questions and they're answering properly. Or if I hear a little unsurety in their voice, I want to make sure I hear that and we can talk about where they may be unclear. Yeah, so you're so staying it, plugged into the way they're speaking, what they're saying. That's yeah. that's a lot. And And also, you're working the problem yourself, checking the name off. How did you get comfortable with an approach that is complex? I think it's a mixture of my background from teaching high school. Um, and I taught, base, my favorite class to teach was geometry and that was not an easy class yeah. um, that most teachers, math teachers like to teach. That's not something they wanna do. Um, so I think just being able to multitask when I taught high school, um, and high school teaches you a lot about being able to multitask, still get the sure. lesson complete, make sure the behavior is still okay. Um, but between that and then when I did corporate training for that subsidiary of Microsoft, it also allowed me to be able to learn adult learners, um, which are very different from high school. Hmm. Um, but it allowed me to see their needs and where what kind of communication they required. Um, which again was different from high school, but the combination of the two allowed me to be able to shift my focus 
from one thing to another without losing focus on the first one. Gotcha. So you're doing all of these things with just a lot of practice that makes you good at it. Do you think the students have patience with you if, say, you lose where you are on the page? Do you take a second or two to find it? And are are people comfortable with that? Or does it feel like a frenzy if you lose your your place on the page? No, I'm a huge jokester. So if I do, I'm like, (laughs) guys, where was I? Like, my mind just went left. And they're like, oh, it's okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So the transparency of you. Oh, yes. Um you know, just being comfortable with losing your place now and again creates yes. space for it. Yes. And I try to, and it's just to keep it a little lively and not so bogged down in work, I do try to keep it lively. So I may go off on a tangent about a TV show that I was watching just for like something in the problem may remind me like something in a problem one time reminded me of something about Game of Thrones. So then I went <laughs> off on a second for Game of Thrones. And then I was like, guys, where were we? And they're like, okay. This is where we were. Thank you. And we came on back. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, someone observe my class once who said, you know, Katie, when you're doing the math, people are focused. But when you are, <laughs> right, people are pretty focused. But yeah. when you tell, when you stop and tell a story about an experience you had in your career or, um, you know, just some other kind of funny thing, they mm-hmm. all snap to attention. And mm-hmm. so it kind of, in a way, resets the focus when you take a break from those challenging accounting problems. It does, it definitely does. That hadn't occurred to me before she observed and and told me what was going on in my own classroom. It's funny what we can see and what we can't when we're managing the logistics of the participation in the room. That is very true. That's why we need to help each other that way, come in and sit in and see those things that we can't see when we're busy with the logistics. Absolutely, it makes such a difference to hear you know, from an observer who's, who's, you know, really on your team and wants you to improve your engagement, yeah. what, what you can do differently and just what's happening because you can't see it all at once. Yeah. So you've got to have places that you're going to be asking those questions. Like, what are you doing in advance to prepare for this session? Cause it sounds like you've really got to be organized. So how do you, yeah. how do you set up like where you're going to ask those, those 50 questions in a class? Yeah. I literally have, um, oh, before my hand issue, I have um, templates of the problems, of the answer of the problem. So I would leave certain areas blank. Mm. So that way I knew these are the pieces I have to get filled in. Now, of course, they don't have these templates beforehand, so they have no idea. Um, but I would work, work it that way. Plus that let me um, know exactly how many spaces I have, because I do wanna make sure I get to all my students like right now, it's once, sometimes twice in a mm-hmm. class. So I want to make sure I have enough blank areas and blank in places where I need answers. Um, I've also used Excel, you know, getting the work, the problem prepared on Excel. And the right, I have the answer there. It's already there to save myself time for having to type. I just make the font white. So then when I'm in class, oh, I just change the font to black. Yeah just change it to black and it's there and it doesn't waste time having to type anything out. Paige, that is a genius pro tip. I I like (laughs) that is something that would never have occurred to me, but is such a great idea for helping you to hold those places and just Mm -hmm. making it more streamlined for you as you work through a problem while you're calling out all the things and monitoring the Mm -hmm. chat and just so many, so many things happening at once. Yes. So can you, feel or see the effect of this strategy on your students? Like, can you see it in their performance? 
I guess I'm really asking, like, how do you know that this works for you and for the students? Um, I just gave my first exam on Friday and mm -hmm. they did really well. So um, that, that gives me confidence that what's, what's, what I'm doing so far is working. Um, but I also use something called Socrative because since we're on, online, we can't use clickers in the classroom. What Socrative does, it's an app they can get on either on their phone or go on their laptop. They log in and then when I put up a question, they can answer it and I get the, their feedback immediately. So I can tell that they're understanding or they're not understanding immediately as soon as they put that answer in. Um, that's something that I can show them or not show them. Totally up to however I set up that particular question. But Socrative, especially in this online environment, is a godsend for me because there's, what that, when you can't see everyone's face, it makes it difficult to know, are they getting it or not? But once, once they give that answer on Socrative, you can definitely tell. And then I've had some students who have actually said and emailed and said, thank you for this, for doing it this way. So that makes sense. Oh, nice. wow. So you're getting feedback from all kinds of things. You're looking at the tests, you're hearing from students, and you're seeing intermittently, does the group understand by using this yes. polling software? And there yes. are lots of options for polling softwares. I just, I understand Socrative is your favorite because you can yeah. record participation and things like that. Yes. So when you're using this polling software to take the temperature, are you working those in with your other kind of warm calls to the students to help with a problem? Like how, how are you orchestrating that check? Or is it like at the beginning of class just to take the temperature of the room before you start? What are you doing there? I've done both. Um, mo mostly it's at the beginning of class to check the temperature just to see if there's anything I need to go over before we start the problem. Mm -hmm. um, but I've done it both ways. If, if we're in the middle of a problem and it seems like everyone's having an issue with this particular area, then I will go through that area again, um, you know, reteach it in a different way, and then send out that Socrative you know, question and see how they're doing now. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Gotcha. So gosh, Paige, I'm like so impressed when I talk to you about how you're able to keep all these balls in the air, because I'm immediately thinking about, okay, well, if I need to use the poll, then it's going to take me an extra three minutes, and then I'm not going to be able to call three more students. Do you worry about that, or does it just all unfold and you don't need to worry so much? It honestly just unfolds, Okay. and I, I don't worry about it. it, it I, as long as they're learning and getting, I don't care if we don't finish the problem. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So if you like didn't get to a few students at the end, you just mark them to ask them first next time or something. Is that? Yeah, okay. exactly. And that's exactly what I tell them. And I, that happened one time and I called off their names. I said, was there anyone else that, you know, these are the ones that I haven't gotten to. I'll get to you first next time. So be prepared to have one more question extra is, in the next class. This is why I'm so impressed with you. You just like, this happened once. <laughs> <laughs> Normally I get through everything, but that did happen one time. <laughs> um, so Paige, how do you keep this, this method flexible for your students? Like, especially right now, if a student can't attend or is sick, or perhaps they're in a different time zone and they just will never be attending the sessions. How are you accommodating that situation in a, in a remote teaching setting? Uh, what, since my problems are their homework questions, um, and they, if they can't come for whatever reason, then they have the option to just submit the homework. It's 
perfectly up to them which way they want to do it. Now, if they have no reason to not be in class, they can't just skip class and submit. Um, but if you are in a situation where you're not feeling well or you have to take care of your little brother or sister or anything that's happening right now because everyone's in a different situation right now, then I allow them to go ahead and just submit the homework. That's really helpful that it's not it's it's a, an accommodation for flexibility, but it's it's also the same thing. Like sometimes it's really nice to give students the same task instead of creating something additional uh, for flexibility. This is just, you can choose to do the homework on your own or you can come to do it as a group and either way is fine. That's a really nice really accommodation. Right. Exactly. Um, so Paige, you also, in addition to this creative solution for live sessions that keeps everyone talking, you also had a really creative solution to the problem of keeping exam integrity high while mm -hmm. our classes are online. Um, and your courses center on a profession uh, where exams are positively critical. So mm -hmm. you can't get creative necessarily and come up with like team projects or something else mm -hmm. because you want students to be good at certification exams. So mm -hmm. can you share that creative testing solution you came up with in the spring? Yeah, I um, and it actually ended up being very close to what engineering is doing. So I have a check-in process. Um, in my class, they can only use a particular type of calculator, and that's just a basic add, subtract, multiply, divide calculator. So I check that. When they, I have them log on to Zoom, um, first, I check their ID to make sure the person taking the test is the one who should be taking uh -huh. the test. Um, then I check that calculator. Um, I allow them one piece of scratch paper. I check that scratch paper front and back to make sure there's no little notes hidden anywhere on that. Um, I ask them to turn off their phones and their Apple watches or anything that could communicate and put it under their chair or toss it over onto their bed if they choose, whichever one. And then finally, I actually look at their desk or their table and around their feet to make sure they don't have any kind of notes hanging out or book hanging out anywhere. Um, and once I do that, they're ready to go. But then I have a checkout process where they type finished in the chat. Once they do that, I have them take that scratch paper and rip it up into small pieces. And I do that because I have four sections. Mm -hmm. I don't want my nine o'clock class giving hints to my 11 or 12 o'clock class gotcha. it's on the exam. So it's a process that can, seems like it can take a while, but um, they're, they're good at it. We just did it Friday and they're good at it. It moves fast. I do it in bunches of 10. I admit students in the class in bunches of 10 and to check those 10 in, it takes about three minutes. <laughs> That's amazing. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm blown away by how many things you can handle so quickly in succession. Like, if I was trying to check in 50 students 10 at a time, I would forget to ask three of them what, you know, to, to show their feet or what, whatever the process is. Like, how do you get so good at doing that? Was it just practicing during the spring and, and using this process? Yeah. It was the practice during the spring. It was definitely the practice during the spring. But I also give them, I created a video with my own daughter of the entire process. So Genius. I make sure they watch, yeah. I had to make sure they watch that video first so they're already familiar with it. And I tell them practice, practice, practice that before our exam. Gotcha, that's so smart to, to give them um, you know, a heads up about what the policy is going to be, but also the process, because that's something that I could probably do better in my class. Just, you know, what is going to be the process of 
um, taking this team project? What is that going to look like? Um, but since we're all learning as we go, I'm yes. deciding those parameters as we go. But um, you're, you're definitely inspiring me to create that transparency that students need to feel comfortable and supported and to do their best. Good. Thank you. So Paige, my last question for you is um, kind of a zoomed out uh, approach <laughs> to, to thinking about how, how these sort of micro changes to our classes are going to take us back to campus. So mm -hmm. when we're able to return to normal um, and be on campus together again, what parts of this pivot to remote teaching do you think will come back to the classroom with you, if any? Um, are all of them going to come to your classes next spring or fall? Or um, do you think this is all temporary? Like what's your, what's your take on where you're going as a teacher? I believe I'm going to keep the flipped classroom. Yeah? I really, yeah, I really like having them do the lo lower thinking skills on their own and then coming together and analyzing and applying and creating things together. You know, those higher order thinking skills all together. So I believe I'm gonna continue, continue doing that. I think it's important. And then I like the way, I like the change in their understanding. Mm, okay, so you can feel how they have, uh, their processing has shifted since mm -hmm. you've made the shift to a flipped classroom. Mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's because they have the video so they can watch it multiple times. Whereas if you're in class, it, you got to get it while you're sitting there. Right. And then it's gone. And if you miss it, there's no rewind button. Whereas with the lecture video, you can watch that multiple times until you really understand what you're talking about. So that I'm sure that plays a huge part in how well they're doing right now. So had you never tried a flipped classroom before this? Were you doing like lecture and problems simultaneously mixed up yes. in class? Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. I would, I would le lecture some and do a problem on it, lecture some and do a problem on it. But I really like this flipped classroom. Wow. So that's pretty revolutionary for you to, to completely shift your teaching style in just a few months and to be really excited and finding that it's still working. It is. I know I am. I'm excited. And I really want to get back in the classroom and see if it works as well in the classroom as it does in the online environment. Excellent. Well, that's a really exciting change. And it sounds like you, you know, of course, I know we're all excited to get back to campus yes. and to be together while we're learning. Yes. Um, but but just you're you're inspiring me too. to I've been flipping and um, in the in the remote environment. But um, you know, I flipped before and then I kind of swing back toward the middle of doing some, a little bit of flip and then a little bit of, um, you know, in-person um, re regrouping or recapping. Um, but you, you've got me excited about, about the flip again as well. Yeah. So um, it's always nice chatting with you and sharing um, teaching strategies. So can I say one other thing I might, I'm, I just thought of something else I'll probably keep um, because I use breakout sessions in my online class. So I send, you know, small groups to breakouts and then we all come back together. And I think that works really well. So I'm thinking I may have smaller breakout sessions because the classes can be so big. So I'm thinking I may have smaller breakout sessions to where we can really hone in and work on some difficult problems and concepts together instead of having so many in one room. So I'm, I've been thinking about how to how to manage that and how to do that. But I really do like the smaller groups. 
Yeah, that's a really interesting point because um, flipped classroom and small groups working together on challenges, um, it speaks to, have you heard of team-based learning? Yes. A lot of our colleagues use team-based learning and I've experimented with it too. And I, I do find that the breakout sessions, some of us are discovering the breakout sessions as like an exciting um, mm -hmm. option that, that could follow us back to campus um, when things return to normal in the form of like a team-based learning strategy. That would be great. Oh, I want to learn, talk more about that. <laughs> yeah, ever since I added team projects during class, um, I those are my favorite days when we're in person together where mm -hmm. I'm quiet and mm -hmm. the room is a buzz. Buzz, with, yes. With like, oh no, you didn't see the video on this where it said you have to, like yes. they're teaching each other and it's just, it's so much fun yeah. to not be part of the conversation, but to be a fly on the wall in the conversation. Mm -hmm. And to yeah. see it, they're just learning and they're taking it from what the piece that you told them and they're growing into these beautiful butterflies of knowledge. And it's just, it's great to watch. Exactly. To provide the tools and then kind of stand back and see, mm -hmm. see what happens. Because really that's what we're shooting for, right? Where exactly. we won't be there in their jobs, um, but, but we want them to grow the things they might have learned from us into whatever the next generation can create. Exactly. Ooh, that's exciting. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Paige. I really appreciate you taking the time to share what you're doing with us. Um, I'm sure as, as I am, um, many in our audience will be inspired by what you're up to. Well, thank you, Katie. And I'm looking forward to hearing everything that everyone says on your podcast, because I'm going to steal all of it. Well, me too. <laughs> Selfishly, that's the reason I'm doing this, is to learn from, from everyone's ingenious ideas and, and continue to think about what I can do to improve. Right. Thank you for having me. That's it for this episode of On, a podcast about cultivating student engagement in higher ed. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show in your podcast app so episodes find you as soon as they're released. If there's interest, I'll keep developing this platform for sharing great engagement ideas. Thanks for listening.